and welcome back to Betfair's brand new podcast, Cheltenham Only Better. I am Megan Nichols, and I am back with my same two guests, Sarah Carter, who I must say I followed you on Twitter this week, and my timeline has been non-stop full of your tweets. And also Jerry McGrath, who I imagine is in pretty good form after a successful um, new sale after the Betfair Tingle Creek meeting um, that took place. We'll ask you a little bit more about that shortly. We also have a guest with us this week, Betfair Ambassador Kevin Blake, who is here to discuss all the action with us. Um, Jerry, we'll start with you quickly touch base on that sale I just mentioned at the end of the Betfair Tingle Creek meeting, a new sale, a bit of a boutique one, but it seemed to be a success. Yeah. Uh, hi, Megan. Hi, everyone. Uh, yeah, it was, Megan. It was, um, like I said, it was the first year we, we carried out the Tingle Creek sale. Um, it was all. You're, it's always a bit of a worry whether it's going to work and whether people are going to support it, whether it's vendors or purchasers. And thankfully, it all went well. Um, I think it just the the average to 124 grand, which was very good, and I think it was just under two million turnover uh, with 16 horses. So yeah, I know everyone was very happy, and hopefully, it'll happen again uh, next year. Yeah, hopefully, we see some of those horses running at that meeting in a couple of years' time. Kevin, welcome for the first time, week two. We've got you on board fairly early. I can't believe it. Are you going to tell the, the lovely listeners how you got me on board, how this happened? Because, yeah, I, because, well, I, mean, I, because I turned up to the HWPA Awards on Monday, <laughs> looking forward to a nice bowl of soup, a nice bread roll maybe, and some good company. And, and before I knew it, I'd essentially been put in a headlock by, by you and Lauren Hayhoe, on, and it wasn't released <laughs> until I agreed to come on this. So yeah, that's how it panned out. That's how these things well, go. You failed to mention the many glasses of wine that you also had alongside your bread rolls. And I think it was the wine that managed to sort of persuade you to agreeing. Um, I was, no, I'd, say, I'd say it was more sort of violence, but yeah, well, well, the wine probably contributed. <laughs> we had a rubber arm to bend, I think, Kevin, is, is fair to say. It didn't take too much persuasion. Um, and Daryl, uh, welcome back once again. We've got plenty of horses. I know you will uh, be excited to discuss a few, and I'm wouldn't be surprised if you've got plenty to mention um, about the honeysuckle defeat. But like I say, Twitter galore. How Elon Musk hasn't blocked you yet, I do not know. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't introduce me as a Scotch egg. That's what someone called me this week on on, on Twitter, just because I have a comment about honeysuckle. But we'll get back. We'll get into that. And if they didn't like the tweet, they're not going to like me today. I can tell you that much. <laughs> right. OK, we'll leave that one for in a second. There was loads of highlights last week, some real good racing, um, especially obviously over the weekend. So we'll run through a couple. But Daryl, let's start with you, because one of the English ones you actually wanted to pick up was Noble Yates, who was very impressive in the many clouds chase, showed an incredible turn of foot, having looked like he was possibly going to be beat. Yeah, can we claim him as English, Kev? Can we? Noble Yates now, do you reckon? I aimed it as in he won in England. I'm not saying <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that. he won this side of the sea. We need, we need as many as we can get, Meg, uh, to be honest. Um, yeah, he was very impressive. That turn of foot he showed from two out to the line, I thought was... Um, it was as good on the clock as it was visually. Uh, he was about 12 lengths faster than Brave Siasco, who ran over slightly f- shorter. Um, yeah, I tweeted immediately after that saying, there's your Gold Cup winner there. Um, I don't know if I regret doing that because uh, I just want to tread a little bit carefully with him, just, just on the form basis. A um, couple of Northern Raiders in there. Sometimes it's easy to get carried away by performance, but this, this horse is young, he's improving, um, and he showed something different. Uh, entry uh, the weekend he showed a turn of foot which we hadn't seen from him before and it's un- unusual to see I suppose from a Grand National winner 
but he has got a bit of turn and foot. He's got a bit of pace. Uh, he stays all day. There's lots to like. Um, I suppose the concern would be that a lot of people are going to pigeonhole him as a flat track horse. Once you win twice at Aintree, a lot of people tend to, you know, put two and two together. They'll look at the Ultima run last year and say he probably didn't handle the track. I would argue that he's just an improving horse. Last year, a lot of his runs, he was sort of kept on to a little bit. They were minding that handicap, Mark, I don't mind saying, uh, last year when he was running some competitive events. So we probably haven't seen the best of him yet. And uh, it looks a wide open gold cup if you take Gallup into Champs out of the top of the market. So um, he's got to have a big chance. He's around 10 to 1 on the sports book. I wouldn't put anybody off, but I'm just going to tread carefully of him for the moment. But I, I was really impressed. You're in um, you're in good company because I actually think that Ruby Walsh has also mentioned him as a, as a gold cup type. So you're certainly in good company there. Um, Jerry, from a jockey's point of view, do you think it's essential that, you know, a horse like him can handle a more undulating track his form, yes, on a flat track right entry, but surely many Gold Cup winners have, you know, Corto starter name one, Kempton Haydock flat tracks, and he he handled Chapman fine. Yeah, and just I just thought it was interesting back to his run in the Ultima last year. Like I'm, I just from what I remember was that Sam's first time riding the horse as well, yeah. and it probably was they were probably looking after the handicap mark, and it was probably one of those told Sam to go like kind of get a get a feel for the horse because they knew what they wanted to go for. He was bought to win the national. Um, so I just thought it was one of those, it was an eye-catching run. Um, I definitely think Sam was getting a feeler of the horse on the day they were looking after his handicap mark and things like that. So I wouldn't read too much into whether he whether he doesn't handle the track at Cheltenham or not. Um, I do think Sean gave him a lovely ride there at Aintree. I just thought from the minute the flag went down, I didn't think the track suited the horse. I thought it was a bit sharp from around the, the chase track at Aintree. Uh, but Sean kept him interested and nursed him into the race nicely. And it was incredible. Like He looked like he was going to be third until Sean pulled a stick through to his right hand and gave him a few encouragers down the right-hand side. And he just he just took off. like He just jumped in going to the last. Um, he was impressive. But the one horse I can work out out of the race is Ahoy Senor. Like, the way he travelled and he jumped much better, but like he was the last one off the bridle the other day. And you know, he was a bit disappointing for me. Do you step him back and trip? I'm not sure. But no, Noble Yates was, was very impressive. Yeah, Kev, you must have been fairly impressed with him too. Um, I suppose they've talked about maybe the King George as a stepping stone en route to the Gold Cup. But, you know, as Jerry mentioned there, a sharp track possibly doesn't play to his best strength. So in my eyes, I'd have said Kempton sort of is one of those tracks that might not necessarily suit. Yeah, and look, they have the option of Leopardstown as well, a little bit closer to home. Um, and look, you have to be impressed with him. You know, I, I think the, the reservations about, I suppose, the bare form are fair enough. You know, like Dashiell Drasher, in fairness to him, is a grade one winner over fences. But it, it's, you know, English grade one form, um, you know, and in, in not, it's not... Steady. It wasn't <laughs> a race where, where, you know, where the best of the best were turning up, you know, so you... You, you, you don't want to get too carried away with it. But like Jerry says, like, I don't think this course distance was ideal for him, really. Um, like, he's a horse's runner on Galway and Navin and all that, so I, I wouldn't be worrying about Cheltenham. Um, the, the run at the festival last year was, was a means to an end, really. Um, and look, I think we'll find out more about him next time because wherever he goes, it's, it's probably going to have to be in grade one company. Um, if he goes to Leopardstown, you know, we'll know exactly where we stand with him, I'd say. And the King George, while it mightn't be the perfect setting for him, um, it will be a deeper race than this was. So, yeah, I wouldn't like it. I know Ruby put him up at very big prices for the Gold Cup. And like anyone that, that took that is, is sitting pretty at the minute because it looks a live one. 
yeah, it would be interesting to see where he does go. I, as a sort of Gold Cup, um, you know, potential runner, I would rather see him at Leopardstown, I think, um, only because I think it would suit him better. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll find out a bit more about, about him there. If he ran at Kempton, he could nearly underperform and you could dismiss him too much although people who want a big price maybe they'll be hoping that he does go to Kenton um we'll move on now to Fasil Vega who was mind-blowing first time over hurdles um look has a massive reputation I think Jerry was this the horse that you were quite keen to talk about yeah I suppose he's kind of the obvious horse um I think for the last two or three two or three weeks now people have been kind of watching Willie's entries you know kind of really waiting for this horse to make a seasonal appearance. And um, I suppose it was, you know, Willie's horses, they're starting to come into good form now, but he he was, I just thought he was very impressive. He didn't do everything like correctly through the race. He still made a few mistakes. His jumping will improve, but the engine the horse has, I just think is incredible. You know, he's just, the way he just, I know it, it, it was only novice hurdle or whatever like that, but still it was just the way the, the authority showed over his rivals. You know, there's, there's still plenty to work on, on you know, and, yeah, he's a very exciting horse going forward, that's for sure. His jumping certainly can be slicker, but I, I imagine, like you say, that will come with a bit of time and a bit of practice. Daryl, we've seen some novices with ridiculous prices for the sort of champion championship races at, at Cheltenham already. Is he already twos on? I mean, it, the prices we've seen, some of them have been ridiculous. Surely for the Supreme, they've, they've put him up at something crazy. Well, uh, no, he, he's the right price. He's five to four at the top of the market. I, I, look, my issue is more that he got cut for what he did in the market and we didn't learn anything other than he's still alive and that he can jump a hurdle or two. He's beaten absolutely nothing at one to nine on. All right, he's done it fairly impressively, tanking along. Look, he's a fantastic horse. He, you know, he is the right supreme favourite if that's the way they go with him. But, you know, I mean, it's very difficult. Look, I don't want to get into comparing him to other races on the car because it's absolutely meaningless when he's come there absolutely tanking uh, and this jockey's got a double handful it means nothing but you know he was 27 lengths faster than uh, slower than the maiden hurdle winner Joy Mashan who he had beaten in a bumper at Leopardstown the year before by six lengths so that just goes to show the, the level of opposition that he's actually beaten um, he's beaten nothing it was no more than a, than a canter round and I just it just does bug me sometimes when they cut these horses immediately without any context to uh to what they've achieved so as a punter you are dipping out a little bit there but um look every piece of form he has stacks up he's a lovely gorgeous horse he he could well be an absolute machine um but i just felt that the price cut on the back of that was was wrong really kev do you think he is a machine i mean his, his mother's got an exceptional record at, at the festival um do you think he's going to be able to follow in her footsteps um, yeah, sure. Look, he possibly could. Look, we know he's he's very, very good. The bumper form tells you that. Um, like here, he had nothing to beat. And you're you're primarily looking at his jumping technique. And I was happy enough with him, to be honest. I, I thought he was quite efficient. He was he was clever when he needed to be. And um, like it, it, it was a piece of work, really. Um, as Darren alluded to there, it was a slow time. He didn't need to run any faster to hammer them. So look, look tougher tasks away. But I'd agree with Darren that, the, you know, the... The price cut was a bit silly, really. Uh, of what was already like a really, um, a really conservative price. Um, but anyway, look, on we go. He'll be straight in the Grade One company next time, I suspect. 
and um, and we'll see what his jumping is like under a bit more pressure, etc. Um, but look, he remains the most exciting two mile novice around um, until he does something on the track that tempers that. But um, yeah, I think you'd be you'd be happy with it. A good start. You obviously mentioned there that he could be going or mo- most likely go into Grade One company next. Of course, has already done that. Marie Nationale, who also ran on the weekend, uh, you were quite impressed with him, Kevin. You wanted to sort of mention uh, he's you know four from four already, lightly raced, and he's a Grade One winner. Yeah, and look, he, he's trained and owned by Barry Connell. If he was, you know, trained by Willie in, in, in pink and green colours, I think people would be getting more excited about him. But um, Barry hasn't hidden the regard he, he holds this horse in. He's been, you know, putting out some big talk about him the last while. And I really liked his progress from, from first start over hurdles to second. Um, at Punchestown on his debut over, over hurdles, he, he probably just saw a little bit too much daylight. Um, and like he, he bolted up, but... He probably didn't learn loads, whereas this time um, Mikey O'Sullivan dropped him into heavy cover. Um, you know, I took a good enough grip. Like his jumping is not the finished article now. Um, he wouldn't blow you away with the way he jumps. And he just kind of made a mistake at a bad time and got shuffled out of, out of his position five out. But he um, he had to wait for open country. Looked like he was probably going to go and bolt up coming down to the last. And he just made a bit of a hames of it. Um, and it looked like the race might have got away in him. But... It was to his credit. He picked up really well, um, got the got to the front close home and won ahead. Um, I like the horse a lot. I'd say he should be better in a better race. Will need to jump better, but I'd say his engine is very big, and I wouldn't like to underestimate him. He's another one that's probably going to. He could well meet Fasal Vega next time. Um, the way the Irish program falls, and uh, Fasal Vega will be will be heavy fav over him, I'd imagine. Are they, uh, um, they going to keep him at two miles, Kev? Sorry, are they going to keep him at two miles, or just that that finishing yeah. effort in that rule bond just looked like two and a half won't be a problem in time? But are they keeping him at two miles for now? Yeah, I think they see him as a real two miler. Um, you can see in his races, like he he is quite he, he is quite alive in in Mikey O'Sullivan's hands, and I'd say they wouldn't want to risk him over racing going a bit further. So, um, for, until he gives him a, a real tell that he wants to go further, by the sounds of it, they'll stay shorter. Um, so, you know, him versus Fasal Vega, if you're pricing that up now, I suspect most people would have Fasal Vega heavy fav, but um, I think I might be tempted to go with this fella if the, if the prices were, were duly a long, way, a long way apart. Well, that is certainly interesting. Jerry, you want to talk about Fasal Vega. If they came up against each other next time, or let's say in the Supreme at Cheltenham, if that was their next run, let's just say, um, for argument's sake, who would you be siding with? Who would you want to be riding? It's funny. I was actually, um, I was in Clarny this summer when he won his bumper, when Marine National won his bumper. And I was actually on a stag do. And we, well, I was guilty of after having a few points, but I still, I just could not believe the way the horse hit the line that day. I know he didn't beat much on the day, but like the speed he showed up the straight and the way he galloped through the line, I can remember thinking to myself, what is this? Because he's a gorgeous black horse as well. And yeah, it didn't surprise me too much that he's, he's ended up winning a grade one. Probably didn't expect it to win it so soon. But yeah, he was exceptionally impressive that day. And he was very good the other day. Like I said, his jumping can sharpen up. But I do agree. I do think he's a proper two-miler. He might stay in time, but I do think Barry and Connections, I do think they're going to campaign him as a proper two-miler this year. I mean, his pedigree, in fairness, doesn't really suggest that he would stay much further. He's, he's all speed. It, almost a surprise to see him jumping uh, really um he's got plenty of plenty of speed in that pedigree um, but certainly an interesting horse um now obviously tiapu was well he's probably 
upset a few people. He was the one that ended up turning over Honeysuckle and, and you know, has got rid of that unbeaten status. Um, Honeysuckle, we discussed her last week when talking about the champion hurdle and, you know, all sort of agreed, well, she's got a lot to do to beat Constitution Hill, but so far, um, she's now been beaten back at home in Ireland when absolutely not expected to be beaten. And so, you know, she, she certainly got it all to, to do to bounce back. Now, Kevin, what did you think in regards to both of these horses? Honeysuckle, did she underperform or is that her? And obviously, she was a huge improver, surely. No, she certainly under, under, underperformed a bit. Um, now, immediately post-race, we, we were recording weighed in, like immediately post-race, like two minutes after they passed the line. And uh, I was pretty deflated, um, you know, immediately post-race, you know, when you have uh, a mare like her that's gone through her career, you know, literally perfect um, in terms of winning. And, and that comes to an end. It is a bit deflating. But, you know, the more I look back at it in the cold light of day, like I think it was fine. Like, I think it was fine. Like, she's probably run to a higher level there than she has, you know, in winning the Hatton's Grace in the past. You know, I remember one year she fell in against Ronald Pump. Um, and look, being, being a little bit older, etc. you know, Henry's maybe not in tip-top form at the minute. Um, you know, it wouldn't have been about the Hatton's Grace with her. It's just a starting point. And watching the race through it, you were happy enough most of the way. It was only late that she disappointed you a little bit. So, look, I think Henry's entitled to go away now and, and start turning some screws and have her really firing for the Irish champion hurdle. You know, he's got a, a couple of months to work with and we'll find out there how much ability she she retains. Because um, look, my, my view of her campaign last season was that she was probably five pounds below her very best. Um, and look, it, it's a long way back from there when you've got something like Constitution Hill in your wing mirrors that, that looks, you know, possibly the best two mile herder we've seen for quite some time. So, um, look, I don't think she, I don't think she's finished far from it, um, but she'll need to be bouncing back and winning the Irish champion um, to be going to Cheltenham with a realistic shout, I think, against the, against the big horse, as, as we can call him now. It'd be interesting to see what happens next and where she does end up going. I'm just going to pass it over to Daryl before he flies through the computer screen because he literally <laughs> jumping out of his chair bursting something to say <laughs> come on Daryl no look I, I I think she ran up I, I I think she ran up to form personally I mean it, 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 just looking at the race as a whole Echoes and Rain was travelling as well as she did last year uh, when behind Honeysuckle in, in the Plungers Town and Champion there she's beaten three lengths there she was travelling as well as she did there when she came down Tihupu it's got a fantastic record fresh in fact he's unbeaten when he's when he's come off the back of a break, he's unbeaten on soft ground and he's got a great record at Fairy House. So I can see where a lot of people would say, oh, she must have ran really below form because of who beat who won the race, to who won the race. But I do believe there are reasons for him to improve. He's five-year-old, he had lots of conditions, everything was in his favour, really. Um, look, I, look, I don't think she's this like great super mare that everybody seems to think she is. I, I think she's one of the most overrated horses in training. And that, and that's, that's the God. Listen, 16, 16 consecutive victories. Outstanding. What a training performance. Very difficult even to get a horse to the track, let alone to win. So in that regard, you know, that's top class. But for me, I mean, Kev said it before. I've said it before. The, the pool of horses we're dealing with in the last three years in the two mile division has been very substandard. I mean, you go back to 2014, the first four home in the champion hurdle were rated 165 plus. 
Honeysuckle's never beaten a horse rated 165. She's beaten 11 horses in her last nine races that have been rated at 160 or more, right? Of those 11, only two are still rated above 160. That's Sharjah, and that is Appreciate It. Appreciate It, we know, obviously came into that champion hurdle off the back of that mammoth absence, so you could probably strike a line through that. Sharjah is the highest rated horse she's beaten, right, in her entire career. State man comes out, first starting open company, and goes and wipes the floor with Sharjah, okay? I mean, look, you want to see State Man do it again, but he's beaten the, the highest-rated horse Honeysuckle has beaten in her entire career. I just think that she's very, very much um, uh, overestimated. I mean, if you look at the champion hurdle, go 2020 when Epitome won the champion hurdle. I remember we all said before it's such a below-par year. It was. The average rating of a runner in that champion hurdle was 155. The last two years Honeysuckle's won, the average rating of a runner in those champion hurdles between 157 and 159. But you go back six years before that, that was unheard of. It's unheard of. In 2020, we had the likes of, and, and all due respect to the, to, the, to the guys, but Dr. Richard Newland and Mickey Hammond having runners in the champion hurdle, that's how wide open it was. You know, so I do think she's been around at a time where she has been able to win these races pretty comfortably. Now, I'm not saying she's a terrible horse. She's a great horse, but she hasn't met anything to make her one of the greats in this division, in my opinion. And I just think that people have fought, fallen into a false sense of security with this two-mile division. We've been accustomed to poor renewals for the last few years. And in my opinion, she is the best of a bad bunch at the moment. And now she's going to come up against something like State Man, who's open to improvement, something like Constitution Hill, who should wipe the floor with her on all known figures. I mean, he's come out and he's knocked her speed figure off the chart. He's only had a handful of runs. You know, she's never done a faster time figure than he has. So th there's lots of little things for me with her. I think it was inevitable she was going to be beaten sooner or later. Um, and it sounds like after time. And now I'm going to get a lot of slack slate for this. But uh, <laughs> that, that's that's my opinion. And, and I hope that people think that she she didn't run up to form so that I can try and take her on when she comes up against a state man or something like that. I, I do I do understand where you're coming from to an extent because I do think the two-month uh, hurdle division has been weaker than we've seen previously but you cannot take anything away from what she has achieved and she's only been able to beat what's been in front of her um, that's, that's true but if if i was to race against a load of toddlers right and i'd beat them 16 times you wouldn't then turn around and say oh he's got a great chance against you saying bolt in the 100 meters I didn't, I, yeah, but I say, well he's that. beaten nothing but people won't say that about honeysuckle for whatever reason i don't know but Look, she's she's a great man. I understand winning sixteen times is very very difficult. You know, I think uh, I think Fahim only managed eleven, didn't he? But um, she she's a great man. I just think she's overrated when we're putting into horses into these brackets of great horses. I mean, you look at Hurricane Fly, Fahim, Jetski. You go back to all those. All those were rated higher than her. You know, you got to remember she's getting seven pounds weight allowance. Listen, this this sounds like I've got a, a bit of th therapy to deal with here, doesn't it? <laughs> No, I look, we understand what you're saying, absolutely. But what I was trying to say before you interrupt me again was um, that she needs respect for what she's done and she can only beat what has been put in front of her. If Constitution was in front of her last year, do I think she would have been beaten? Yes, I do. But those horses weren't about. So she is a great for her time, for her era, she was the best. And no one can say anything. That, that is a fact. No one can take anything away from that because the years that she has been running at that level no one's been better than her. And that is a fact. You can't take that away from her. I'm not saying that she's 
Um, I'm not disagreeing that she's probably been slightly overrated, but you can't take that away from her. I do also think that potentially she wasn't, yes, maybe she wasn't quite at her best, but I don't think she loves that really, really bottomless ground over that further trip. But um, Jerry, I would ask your thoughts on that, but Daryl has taken up about 25 minutes, so I do studying, <laughs> which is the article. Um, so, but Jerry, we can start with you on this one. Um, we have a, a short price favourite in John Bond, who obviously we didn't mention at the top of the uh, top of the show because obviously he's going to get plenty of um, recognition now. A very impressive winner once again, this time in a Grade One, the, the Henry VIII. Um, he beat a small field. Boot Hill, I thought, put up a, a great performance and, and ultimately just wasn't good enough. But John Bond was uh, very impressive once again. You and obviously the, the team at Nicky's must be absolutely delighted. Yeah, he was impressive. Uh, very professional, I thought. I thought Aiden as well. You know, he taught him plenty on the way around. I know p- probably people just think, oh, it's easy. You just steer these good horses, these grade one horses round and, you know, it's A to B and, you know, and, and simple. But I just thought he, he he really educated him. And especially on Sandown, as we all know, it's a great jumping test. Um, he didn't just go looking for, you know, big jumps every time. He was teaching him. He was getting in tights. He was, he was asking him up every so often. I thought it was a very good ride, very educational. And um, it was interesting, like, watching the race, Halfway around, I thought if Boot Hill, like Boot Hill had the run of the race, I thought, because sometimes he can be keen. Um, Aiden went a nice gallop. Johnny Burke settled Boot Hill nicely in behind. If he was good enough, he was going to challenge. And maybe for a split second, when we're going to the pond fence, he looked like he was going to, you know, have w- one good go at him once they straightened up. But like I said, Aiden, Aiden was only starting to go through the gears between two out and the last. And yeah, I thought he was very impressive. Um, he's come out of the race very well. Didn't have a hard race, thankfully. And um, no, it's just another kind of box ticked. He's won his grade one over fences now and um, maybe one more run before Cheltenham. But it wouldn't if it wouldn't be the wildest idea now if he had to go straight to Cheltenham and keep him fresh, keep him. Oh, he has plenty of experience. He's got point to point experience. Don't worry. He won't be coming over to Ireland, Kev. I don't think so. Anyway, that's for sure. But we'll see. Um, he'll have no, surely have to run again surely he's the type of horse, I, although he's growing up he's the type of horse if he had that long between now and Cheltenham and went there with the atmosphere and everything he, he could lose his mind he, get, he he is getting better and don't get me wrong he impressed me when I saw him in the prelims at sundown because he was so much more relaxed than he has been previously but if he went straight to Cheltenham with all those people the huge atmosphere walking down that Fresh. street he will be yeah. a melting pot yeah, we'll see. Time will tell. Time will tell. <laughs> Jerry has inside info here. Jerry has inside info. I can no, tell no, no, no. I don't. I don't. Straight I don't. There. I don't. No, I'm, I'm, I'm only slagging now. Just, just because you'd, you'd love to see a horse that good out, a few, you know, a couple of more times before Cheltenham. Um, it, it didn't seem to do him any harm last year, but like this, this was very good again, wasn't it? Like, geez, he's a gas horse. Like he did it a few times over hurdles last year, and when he was making the run, and in that, like his ears were pricked, like pretty much every step of the way, which is unusual, you know. And, Sure, his jumping technique was really good again. Like neat, efficient, scopey, clever. Um, like a tiny bit left in places, but you're really reaching for something to pick at there. And um, yeah, just really good. He's a, he's a lovely, lovely horse. Hopefully, we see him again before Cheltenham. <laughs> um, but on a serious note, you, 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 I, I'd agree with you, Megan. Just with his overall profile and what we've seen of him, you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't like to send him to the big day mad fresh 
would be would be my thought. But he doesn't need to go. We know how good he is from hurling, etc. He's clearly well able to jump. But yeah, you would love to see him again, keep him ticking over. Um, and yeah, just just a lovely horse. Anyone would love to have him. He he was impressive, and what I think what impressed me about him a lot is like you say, Jerry. Aidan was giving him an educational ride, and he was sort of taking back and sitting back on him for a, a, a pop and a smaller stride rather than letting him just launch everything. Uh, at one down the back, he did ask him to come up out of his hands and ask him for a, for a big jump and he produced it. And then coming into the railway fences, he sort of went the other way and asked him to get in uh, to the bottom of the fence. And he was very clever. But what impresses me more is how quick he is from landing and getting away. You know, those first two strides from the back of the fence are so impressive. And one thing as well, up that hill... Daryl, it'll be interesting to see what you've got about times because from the back of two out to the line, you'd have thought it was a flat track. He didn't, you know, Sandal is stiff, but the way he galloped once Aiden really asked him to extend, well, I say really asked him, he didn't really have to. He asked him for a couple of strides and away he went. But um, I, I'd have said that the, the times from two out to the line might have been pretty, pretty good. Yeah, he was 10 limits faster than Edward Stone. So, I mean, look, he's... He was 13 limits behind Edward Stone when you got to the pond fence at the third last. But um, that's more to say that um, the Tingle Creek went harder, faster earlier on, rather than saying that John Bond was slow because Aidan actually got his fractions pretty spot on um, if you look at the overall time. So, yeah, it was a very impressive finishing effort from the back of the last 10 minutes quicker than Edward Stone. That's what impressed me the most. I think I was more worried about his finishing effort before, um, whereas... He blew me away, really, at Sandown, to be honest. And I got fed up picking holes in him because he, he just looks <laughs> it just looks very, very good, doesn't it? I suppose the, the only concern would be is if something was in the race like Dysart Dynamo, that might just take him on early um, and, and light him up like he did in the Supreme. But again, I'm picking holes. He's a very worthy favourite and uh, he's a class act, that's for sure. I, I'd be quite, quite keen to say, well, Jerry will know more than me, but he doesn't necessarily have to make the running. I think they've probably done it because it's been small field. Why yeah. not let him get into a rhythm? If someone's going to go very hard, like Dysart Dynamo, who is a keen going horse, then Aidan will surely be perfectly happy just to sit off the pace. Mm. Oh, uh, yeah, oh, for sure. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and like you remember, remember this time last year when he was making his debut over hurdles and when he was running over hurdles, the lads down the start, the, the fellow jockeys were all trying to, you know, they were playing a bit of, t- bit of tactics. Yeah, exactly. They just, everyone stood at the start and, you know, things like that. He's no problem making the running. He's no problem dropping in. And the Supreme, I suppose, you know, it was one of those, you know, I suppose at the time over again, they might have slotted him in. And like you said, himself and Dysart Dano did probably crazy fractions. But like you said, he can take a lead. He can drop in. He can make the running. He can do, like, he's bomb-proof, lads, 100%. Yeah, and he's well, I think that's important, you know, especially when you're trying to get a horse to relax as, as they grow up and get older with racing. That's easier. Um, right, Kev, to be honest, if I look at the uh, market as it stands, we've got Jean Bon and then it's basically all Irish horses, of which maybe one's only had a start over fences. I mean, when are these horses going to be coming out? Honestly, we want something to show us that maybe they can take John Bon on. Yeah, look, Willie's in no rush. They're all Willie horses they're talking about. Like El Fabiola, you know, Sir Gerhard, what's he going to do? Appreciate it. 
Um, there's a whole heap of them. Flame Bearer, another one. You know, they're, they're all highly regarded. We know they're very good horses, but we want to see them out jumping the fence. Um, it'll come soon enough, I'd say. Um, and not a lot of rain knocking around Ireland at the minute. I got very, very heavy frost this morning and not much rain coming. So, um, you know, it might be Christmas time. It could be after Christmas time, um, which is later than ideal. But look, that's the way Willie operates. He, he's happy to wait and be patient and and um, and finish the season strong with these horses. But you know, I do think there are a couple of arch contenders in Ireland that we've seen already that that aren't being given a huge amount of respect by the market. Um, you know, one that I, that I'd be really keen to talk about is Phil Dor, um, trained by Gordon Elliott. You know, because he like I I can't believe his his winning chasing debut didn't get more plaudits. Like he, I see he's a fourteen to one shot in places um, for for the Arkle, and like this was you know probably arguably the second best juvenile hurdler around last season. You know, Vauban was just a little bit too quick for him, um, and he had to take on like a, a proper um, grade one standard hurdler, open class hurdler, and Saint Wa on his chasing debut at Navin, and I thought he was really good. Look, he was receiving £8 weight for age, but look, that's the system. He's always going to get that um, at that time of year. And, like, I really like his jumping technique. Um, it, it was all you'd, want to, all you'd want to see. You know, he was clever when he was needed. He was neat. Um, like, he had the race put to bed before the last for me, and he just pricked his ears, got a bit idle, gave your man a kind of a second shot of them, and then went away on the run in again. Like that was high. That's high level. Like they're a mile clear of, of like very good horses, like high one thirties horses. They've absolutely kicked them out of the way. And like for me, he's run certainly run to one fifty plus. And like that's high level stuff for your chasing debut. And it's been completely disregarded. Maybe people think he'll go up and trip. Maybe so, but um, I think he's got plenty of pace over fences. And um, you know his weight for age will reduce as Cheltenham closes in. Um, as each month goes by, but um, I think he's a very good horse, and I, and I wouldn't like to be underestimating him. Do you think we'll see him at Leopardstown over the Christmas period? Yeah, I think that's the plan. The the two mile one Grade One, I think, will be his destination. And look, that could be a very hot race now because um, a few that we saw in the Drinmore at the weekend, and we better mention Mighty Potter as well because he's another potential Arkle contender. Everyone seems to be assuming he'll run the Turners. Um, because he won a drill more over two and a half, but I'd say he'd have no trouble coming back in trip. Um, you know, he, he's still not the finished article, but his jumping. Yeah, I think it was an interesting race to watch because like Jack Kennedy set out to 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 really educate him to my eye. Like he kept taking him back, taking him back. Like he could have jumped his way, to, he could have jumped his way to the front like very early on if Jack let him, but um he kept taking him back, taking him back. Um, and he, he pecked a couple of times, but like he won very well. He, he beat Gaillard de Mesnel, who, who's rated 156 over fences, albeit stays a bit further. But like Mighty Potter, to me, put him away really well. One slap, well on top. You know, those are the two that would be very at the, fr- at the forefront of my mind um, for the Arkle, you know, rather than all these ones who we haven't even seen over fences yet. Like, I think we've seen two, we've seen one grade one winner and then Phil Doerr, we've seen a performance that would be very close to grade one standard in my mind already. So um, the two of them are still double figure prices for the Arkle. So um, those would be the ones I focus in on outside of John Bob. Yeah, with Betfred at the moment, Phil Doerr 10 to 1, Mighty Potter 12 to 1. Um, it will be interesting to see if Gordon Elliott wants to try to separate them um, for now. Obviously, 
come Cheltenham, maybe they could both go. They both have the options of possibly the Turners or the Arkell. Um, yeah, and, and, and you know yourself, Megan, when, when you have like one like John Bond who kind of really stands out from the pack, there's always a temptation with that Cheltenham programme to take, you know, the easier option and go up and trip. So, you know, that's a possibility. You know, we saw it with the Turners last year. It ended up cutting up the four runners. You know, it wouldn't be a million to one, you know, if all goes well with John Bond, that, that, mm. that this year could be the Arkell that really chops up as people try to get away from him. But um, but Gordon's pretty punchy. He's pretty game. He doesn't do a whole lot of that. Um, and look, they they might have the, the two of them might well have themselves sorted out in their couple of runs between now and then. But yeah, I, I think they're two proper novice chasers now. Um, Daryl El Fabiolo is actually the horse that's gone closest um, to Jean Bon. Obviously, Constitution Hill did beat him, but at Aintree last year, we saw El Fabiolo give him a proper run for his money. Um, only went down narrowly. Now he obviously hasn't run yet. He will no doubt be out fairly soon. If not, I wouldn't be surprised if he went straight for a grade one over Christmas period. I might be wrong there, but it, it wouldn't be the biggest shock in the world. Um, would you want to see him run before you can make any comments on him? Or would you be fairly confident he's the type of horse that could improve again? Yeah, I'd, I'd be pretty confident he's the type of horse that's going to improve again. Um, just just watching him last season, there were just times when he was, Aintree in particular, he was just sort of lobbing along at a half speed, I thought. And I thought he just wanted them to go a yard quicker, a yard quicker. And I think it was a little bit of panic stations when he got hampered at the third last. And then he was bumped at the second last um, because John Bond had such a clear cut through passage. You know, he was always well positioned. And just asking El Fabio to go and pick him up. I mean, he was very inexperienced. He was wearing a hood that day as well. It was his first start on, on a quicker surface. He'd been running on heavy ground. He's only he's going to be a six-year-old at the turn of the year. You know, he's he's got so much, you know, to come, surely, just with, with the lack of experience that he's had. So the fact that he put that effort in against John Bond, I thought was a real positive for him. And uh, he just looks to me, just just everything about him, the way he's striding around, just looks to me like he's going to take to a fence. And uh I'm really looking forward to seeing him. I've, I've actually backed um, El Fabiolo because I just I just thought that in this anti-post market, you can't really wait to watch them run. And just on, just on that that margin with John Bond last year um, and the lack of experience that he had against John Bond, I just thought he he's going to be the most likely contender for me. And I think a strongly run arc will, will really suit him. So looking forward to seeing him, Megan, yeah. I'd be concerned that it might not be the strongest run Arkle if it does cut up with only you know a couple of runners. It could end up being if Aiden got if Aiden got his own way in front and, and got set his own fractions, then I think they'd all be slightly in trouble. But it'd be interesting. I really do hope that some of these horses come out and impress and then you know we get more than three or four runners. Um we'll just talk about one more quickly before we get all of your um selections. Jerry, we'll go to you on this, although Kevin, you would be able to add a bit, I'm sure. Um, but course form is obviously something that, that we like. And Banbridge is already a winner at Cheltenham. Um, is that something for you that is key or does he have to improve plenty more? Well, I suppose if it was before last weekend, you, like especially on the back of his Cheltenham performance, which was good, the time was good that day, you definitely give him a chance. Um, obviously, Kevin might enlighten us more, but, but I think you'd have to be a bit disappointed with his run at the weekend. Um, he's ran a nice race, but at the same time, I I, I was disappointed. I thought he was going to run. I thought he was going to go close. Really, um, I don't know, Kevin. I don't know what your thoughts of of, of his run at the weekend. Um, yeah, I should look a bit disappointed, Jerry. But um, with, with hindsight, I'd say that there was a bit of regret for running him on the ground. Um, yeah. You know, it, it went Coach downhill. Was different to Cheltenham, wasn't it? 
Yeah, like the time form called it heavy based on times. You know, the time form called the ground at Cheltenham good. And, you know, it, it would have been a thought with him for a long time. Like if Mary in his career, that the better the ground, the better. Um, and if it had been heavy ground at Dex time, I'd say he wouldn't have been declared. But look at you, you get close. You're not quite sure how, how fast it's going downhill on the day. You take your chance. Sometimes you get it right. Sometimes you get it wrong. And like the race itself probably didn't go ideal for me either. Like there was a bit of chopping and changing early and he was a little bit strong with JJ. Um, so look, he, he's run all right. Clearly not as good as at Cheltenham where the time trigger was really good, etc. Look, I'd say I wouldn't be surprised if he goes back and trip the two mile one at Leopardstown. Um, you have to bear in mind at Leopardstown Christmas meeting, there's a two mile one and there's a three mile. There, there's no in between or there. So um, I suspect he'll go back down and trip. And the important thing with Leopardstown is that chase track is generally the best ground you'll get anywhere in Ireland most times of the season. And that'll hopefully be more like it for him. Um, so I, I wouldn't give up yet, but look, it, it's a bump in the road, no doubt. And he's he's, he's going to have a bit to prove when we see him again. But if we can get him back on a, on a sounder surface, you'd like to think he'll um, he'll hopefully get back on track. Right. Down to the nitty gritty. And we need picks from everyone, please. Obviously, £20 for each member whatever you want, obviously, to do with the Arkle Sportsbook or, ex uh, or Exchange Bet. And um, obviously, as we all know, the winner will be crowned post-Cheltenham. All of the money is going to the Interjockeys Fund, which is absolutely great. So, literally, whatever you want with the £20. Last week, we had a few without Constitution Hill. Um, Daryl, let's start with you. Yeah, Who I'm going to start with what you're doing with your money. <laughs> I'm gonna. So I'm just gonna go for a straight win. No messing around this week. Um, I think El Fabiolo. I'm looking forward to seeing him five to one. I think it's a fair price at the moment. He could easily be cut off the back of a, a beginner's chase win. So El Fabiolo. Kevin, can I split stakes and Phil Dore, Mighty Potter? Probably only one of them will run. But I'd be by the time you by the time you get through everything, six to one. About the one that runs, will I'd probably be happy enough with that on the day. I reckon. And Jerry. I'm going to be very boring. I'm going to go a 20 quid win on John Bond. Best price, hopefully, Betfair will give us. Um, didn't, anti -post. You, didn't you say you wanted him by six lengths the other week? <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> oh, you yeah. changed your well, tune now. You lengthen, lengthen your odds. <laughs> no, to be fair, after last week's performance, give me eight lengths. I don't mind. <laughs> I'm easy. Right, so Thanks we, for reminding me of that. Eight, length, eight, eight lengths, John Bond. Eight, yeah, eight lengths yeah. plus. Huh? Yeah, yeah, I'll go with that. Yeah, right. We'll have to He's find down. out what price I'll give you for that one. I don't, ha I don't have that off the top <laughs> of my head, unfortunately. Dara, what do you reckon? What price have you given Jerry for that? Oh God knows. I would, I would even, I would even know how to price that up. <laughs> oh, that's so out there. <laughs> we'll have to ask Barry nicely to give us a good price. Yeah, you'll have to speak to him nicely for that. Um, I'm actually going to be slightly brave, and I'm going to go with Daryl El Fabiolo. Um. John Bon impressed me, but until I've seen some of the others, I, I don't think he's unbeatable yet. And um, five to one might not be around for very long. So I'm going to go Al Fabiolo and hope that he runs soon and is seriously impressive. Um, so that is it for today. Thank you guys very much for all of your positive and not so thank you for all your negative comments, Sarah. <laughs> um, but a reminder to everyone who has been listening. We have Racing Only Better previewing all the weekend action on Thursday and weighed in 
is on Monday. Kevin, are you there? Of course, always. Never absent. Always. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's on Monday. And that has all the latest from uh, racing, well, the whole world of racing, really, everything. Um, we will be back next week and we will be previewing our next race on route to the festival. And everyone, please remember to gamble responsibly. Once again, thank you all for tuning in.